All right, good morning or good afternoon or good almost noon, whatever term is appropriate. Well, good lunchtime. Said like a guy who metabolism is still working a lot faster. I was talking Brother Schrock, and they were told and telling me about a place that he had gone out to in Utah called Neaters, which is one of my family's favorite places. They got all-you-can-eat French toast. But it's not, I know what you're thinking. It's not like that. Because I went there thinking, well, I'm going to start with one piece. I had one piece, and I was done. It's like a... Anyway, I say that to say my son, Lachlan, he's, he'll be 15 here pretty soon. He went, he went at four. And um, I don't know, I mean, I remember being there, but I don't remember where I put it. I remember being 16, 17, 18, and you could just eat all day long. All, look at these guys. They're like, yep, I'm hungry now. <laughs> yeah. Right? Or when I'm teaching like the young ladies class, I, I used to teach these young ladies, there's all ladies in there, I think it was 16 to, 16 to 20, behind enemy lines, I tell you what. <laughs> I brought donuts one time, and um, they all very delicately, you know, had one, <laughs> right? And I said, I'll tell you what, because I said, you can have more, and then nobody would have, you know, we're not going to do that. I said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to leave. I'll come back in 10 minutes. They were gone. The donuts were gone. They were just sitting there like, we don't we have no clue what happened to them. The guys must have came in here and, yep, let me get that glaze off my, yeah. <clears throat> Different creatures. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. <clears throat> I'd like to run a couple thoughts by you this morning title of this is Consider Him. Consider Him. Now, you're looking at a guy who grew up sitting in, not, well, not these specific seats, but I grew up in a kindergarten through 12th grade Christian school. I went to Christian college. And so, <clears throat> it's interesting to me when you have what they call first-generation Christians, you know, some of your fathers, mothers, maybe grandparents. When they got saved, one of the things that they could see very clearly in their lives was their lives were different. You know, they stop drinking, stop smoking, stop doing all this stuff. And they're like, well, amen, praise the Lord, I got saved. You get three, four generations down, and uh, none of you are stopping smoking. You're not stopping drinking. You're not stopping the things that people who get saved out of kind of a wild place stop. And so I remember being there and thinking, you know, you have these people come up, and I was this, and I was that, and they defined all these sins, and I remember 14, 15, sitting in church thinking, <laughs> I don't do any of those things. You know, if that's what I need to be saved from, then I don't necessarily really need much of this. I must have just achieved it. I must have just kind of grown into it, right? I didn't get saved legitimately until I was 15 years old. Um, I was in the basement of my parents' home. That's where my room was. And um, I was deeply under conviction. I sat under preaching Monday, or Sunday morning, Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, Thursday morning, Friday morning, chapel, Wednesday night, Sunday. You know, I'd go to the jail with the guys who preached there and listen to them. So I was getting messages. And I just started to struggle with how real a lot of that was. And I remember telling the Lord <clears throat> in my room, I said, all right. I was really good at football, and I had a free ride to this place. I said, I, I, I don't know what I was Oh, I was doing homework, and I was supposed to be doing a report on a book by D.L. Moody. It was called D.L. Moody's Latest Sermons. It's like a 100-year-old book. I started flipping through there, and there's a chapter in there entitled, How to Be Saved. That's what the chapter was entitled. And so I thought, well, <clears throat> I've been struggling with this. Am I, am I not, all this stuff. So I remember telling the Lord all by myself, now, I'm not, D.L. Moody's never saved anybody. He's led people to the Lord, but he, I'm not telling you that this is the thing that did it. I'm just, there was a lot of preaching in my life at that point. I was being exposed to the gospel a lot. So I told the Lord out loud, I said, I'm going to read this chapter, Lord. And if I'm no closer 
to understanding your definition of salvation, then I'm done with this. This is an absolute joke. I've got better things to do with my life than sit here and polish my shoes and tie double Windsors and half Windsors and all this stuff. Right? Well, you should be careful when you give the Lord ultimatums. I read that chapter, and I got under such conviction, I was terrified. Terrified. So I remember telling myself, Lord, here's what I'm going to do. The principal at the school at the time was a guy named Tom Rose, Chief Warrant Officer 5 Gunner, United States Marine Corps, Vietnam veteran. I said, I'm going to feel exact. I've got to remember how I feel. And when I get to school tomorrow, I'll tell him I need to be saved. That's, that's what I need. And he had preached a message one time called Consider Him. And that's, this is my version of that. And it was like the Lord said, son, you're done. You told me that if you got to the end of this chapter and you understood it, you'd get saved. And now you're telling me you're going to wait till tomorrow? It was like the Lord told me right then, you get saved or you're done. You called me down and now I'm here. You don't need anybody else. This is between you and me. And if you don't make decisions right now, you're done. I'll leave you alone. I'll give you what you want. That was the first time in my life where getting what I wanted scared me to death. Now, I don't remember the words, but I remember in December of 1998 being so terrified. I just remember saying to the Lord, I'm tired of playing this game. You grow up in church, you get on a conviction, you go home, you like, you say the words, you say the prayer, and then you get up and like, all right, I'm saved now. Nobody can tell me I'm not, I just did it. And you grow up doing that, and doing that, and doing that. And I was so afraid to play any more games. I told the Lord, I don't want to say anything, because I don't think it matters what I say. I just want you to know, I don't want you to let me go. I'll do whatever you tell me to do. I, I, I'll, I'll get rid of whatever you tell me to get rid of. I just, I, I, Lord, this is, I can't do this anymore. And it was the testimony of someone else, another man in the church that came to my mind, that talked about the simple faith like a child in Christ. Anyway, I was, 16, I was 15 years old, and, and the Lord saved me, alone, Amen. in my room. And that's been the way the Lord's dealt with me all my life, just kind of alone with him. I remember I ran upstairs to tell my dad, and um, my dad and I, it was a rough relationship. He died of alcoholism, and he was so angry that I woke him up, took a beating for it. I was so like, whatever, <laughs> I'm going to heaven. You can get as mad as you want. <laughs> From that day ever on, ever since, I've been in a lot of places. I've been everything that a guy can be, okay? I've been in combat in four different countries. This is not a dimple. Someone stabbed me in the face. It was my brother. (laughs) Right? I've been shot and stabbed and blown up, blown up 13 times. There's shrapnel in my left shoulder and my right leg looks like ground beef, just I've been all those things. Never once, I'm not trying to impress you, never once in any of those things did I think I might split hell wide open. Now there's times when I wasn't living the way I was supposed to be living or doing the things that I was supposed to be doing, but I always knew from the time the Lord saved me that I was saved. Praise the Lord. One of the things in this culture, and I say this culture, I'm talking about a Christian culture, is this separation or the idea, falsely in my opinion, of the separation between assurance and salvation, as if God's not the God of assurance. We get saved, and then we use people to assure us. That's not, the what, that's not what the Bible says. The Lord of... If, would you want the God who can't assure you of your salvation to be responsible for keeping you saved? I say keeping as if you can lose it. Okay, so there's a huge difference between <clears throat> me in my mind living the Christian life and God from my heart changing me from the inside out and making me a Christian. The God who can save is the same God who can assure of the salvation he gives. Hebrews chapter 12. Let's talk about this idea just, just for a few moments this morning. Consider him. 
Let's start in verse 1. The Bible says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Let's pray. Father, as we look these things out from your word this morning, I just pray that everything that you would like to accomplish would be exactly what we would desire from you, that we wouldn't put any obstacles or barriers between our hearts and you, and that you'd have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's talk about a few things this morning, considering what most people live their lives considering. A couple facts for you. American consumers spend about eight hours of their day with digital media. That's the average. Eight hours a day on digital media. Roughly double the time that is invested in traditional media formats. So traditional would be um, cable, satellite, television. Eight hours a day. Can you imagine? Eight hours. That's a work. That's a work day. And that's the average amount of time that the American consumer is spending consuming the opinions and lives of other people. Okay? This is from, uh, well, it doesn't matter where it's from. Uh, The number of net users is only slightly higher than the number of social media users, so internet users. American consumers spend about 0.25 hours reading. 0.25 a day reading. And usually that's just like uh, signs. (laughs) Like how do I get to where I'm going? Okay. 0.3 on the weekend. 0.3 on the weekends, okay? As of 2022, 20% of Americans go to church once a week, and this is by their own admission, so how accurate these numbers. Most times when I have people, when I interview them and I talk to them, they go, oh, I'll go to church once a week. It's usually about every other month. That's what their once a week means. It's, it's like, well, yeah, about once a week. Yeah, maybe every third week, maybe. But anyway, about once a week, 20% of Americans will go to a, a, a church Um, 10% say they go about every other week, which usually means Christmas and Easter. 11% say they go once a month, which means they went to a wedding once. Okay. 26% say seldom, which is never. And 31% say never, which means they go around the block to avoid your front door. Okay. They never go. Okay, so what is America considering? If they're not in church, what are they considering? What are they consuming? Okay, there are 1,000 cable channels and between 2,000 and 2,500 satellite, direct TV, so on and so forth channels with over 21 million subscribers. Dish Satellite has 10 million subscribers. YouTube has over 60 million subscribers. With 500 hours of content uploaded every minute. 500 hours of content uploaded to YouTube every minute. Okay, if you have TikTok, I love you, but you're a moron. TikTok has 1.8 billion monthly active users. 1.8 billion. And none of these facts are considering the largest amount of time that your generation is spending in front of a screen, which is what? Gaming. Gaming. 
an absolute stupid waste of your life. You say, well, are you kind of being mean? I have yet begun to be mean. Okay? If you're getting lost in front of a screen in a fantasy world where there are no judgments and no realities and reset is the worst possible thing that happens to you, you are, you're, you're ruining your mind. Not to mention exposing yourself to things that you have absolutely no idea. The gaming world and the people that are responsible for the content and the production of those things do not like you. They do not like you. And there is whole generations, especially young men, who are lost. It's an addiction. It's an addiction. So that's what America's considering. I'd like to challenge you to consider a couple different things, if I might, as young men and women, young Christians. I'd like you to consider a different thing. I have four points for you this morning and then kind of a closing thought. The first point is found in chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. The first point is, let us lay aside every weight and sin. You must understand, in order to consider Him, you have to lay aside everything that prevents you from considering Him. Everything. Does anybody... Used to, isn't anybody a runner? Like, did anybody race? And you look like it. Look, he's even got like fake dress shoes on, just in case he has to run. Yeah, you a sprinter or like a distance guy? Distance guy. Okay. Have you ever decided to go for a run and throw on like a Santa Claus suit and a couple weights and? Not too often. Which means that he does sometimes. That's just how he rolls. No, he doesn't do that. <clears throat> he understands in order to accomplish what I want to accomplish, there's a certain things that I've got to do in order to do that. In other words, a lot of your success starts long before you actually start the endeavor, whatever the endeavor might be. Okay? And so right now, uh, most of you in this room aren't actually running anywhere. You're learning how to run somewhere, but you're not actually doing anything. You understand, my mother taught me this. She said, you know the most important thing about learning? is learning how to learn. We always have this idea, well, I'm going to get my degree and I'll be done. <laughs> no. <laughs> if you can learn anything here, I would encourage you to learn how to learn. Because if you're going to be worth anything, you're never going to stop learning. Ever. And by the way, you think that you could get to the point where you're a master of the Bible like you figured it out. Yeah, I got it figured out. Cover to cover, I'm the expert. It's not going to happen. Okay? So in order to do that, in order to consider him, I must con first consider the things that are preventing me from considering him. There's a verse in the Bible that says, if you have ought against your brother, leave your gift at the altar, go make it right, and then come back. Sometimes you need to understand, when I have things, the Bible says, here's how you have a relationship with God. And then I put all these things in my life, and then I try to have that relationship with God, and the Lord says, no, you have to lay aside every weight and sin which does so easily beset us. Do you know what that word beset means? Let's first talk about the word um, consider. <clears throat> to lay aside, the weight. It says lay aside every weight and sin. Weight is a word that just means a hindrance or a burden. Sin is a word that means a offense. And, uh, and beset, or the weight and sin that besets us, beset is a word that means thwarting or thwarting. So I'm supposed to lay aside, put down, get rid of anything that sets me off of considering him. Now, there's a lot of things that aren't, quote unquote, sin. But as soon as it besets you, is it not a sin? You understand what I'm saying? We grew up in like, well, I don't, show me book, chapter, and verse on that. All right, Hebrews chapter 12, 1 through 4. Is it causing you to consider someone else more than you consider him? Then it's wrong. It's wrong. You say, well, it's a tradition. Yeah, Colossians 2, 8. Anybody know that from memory? Beware of what? 
Try again. Go ahead and read it. You've messed it all up. Now you're embarrassed. No, 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 no. Don't guess. Go read it. You got it wrong. Let's, let's, let's not guess it. First, go, go ahead and read it. Read it out loud when you get there. Colossians 2.8. What does it say about the traditions of men and the rudiments of the world? What does it say there? No hurry. We're just waiting on you. <laughs> I'm being mean, aren't I? <laughs> Spoil. Spoil you. Go ahead. I'm, I'm pausing. I'm narrating. The, yeah, go ahead. Keep going. No, you're fine. So anything that prevents me from going after Christ spoils me. Do you know what the word spoil means? It means to have your value removed. You leave the milk out overnight. It is, is it, it's intrinsically the same product that it was the night before, but you're not going to pour it on your cereal. Okay, you understand that you can expose yourself to things that leave you intrinsically kind of the same person, but God can't use you because you've allowed the rudiments of the world, the traditions of men, the philosophies of men to remove what God designed to be valuable, you no longer are valuable in that way. And so I have to understand, in order for me to consider him, <clears throat> I have to lay aside every weight and sin. Go to 1 Peter chapter 2, first three verses of 1 Peter chapter 2. The Bible says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies, and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere miracle of the word that they may grow thereby. If so be, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. He is gracious. If you've tasted and you found that He is gracious, then lay aside everything that's not Him. Because I can't consider Him when I haven't laid aside the things that are preventing me from considering Him. Now, most, if not all of you, that wives and husbands are not a thing for you right now. <clears throat> but, you know, I, I find it interesting. Can I get, can I meddle a little bit? Yes. You know what all these guys up here, you know what they want? Truck. <laughs> and uh, you'll have it. <clears throat> because all them ladies just heard you say that you want a truck, and they're like, well, next. <clears throat> yeah. No, all these guys, usually they, you know, when I'm, when I'm dealing with young guys, they're just like, well, I want a wife, you know, but they're not really doing anything. The Bible talks about the fact that uh, a wife is a help meet, you know, why would the Lord give you someone to help you do nothing? You ever thought about that? <laughs> well, I'm doing nothing and I'd like someone who's just beautiful to help me do nothing. <laughs> This is my wife. She sits here while I do nothing. Look at her. We are nothing together. Yeah, that's not how that works. Okay. So sometimes when you lay in aside things in a marriage, you understand when you are when you have a young man, when you have a wife, she's going to be pretty particular on you laying aside all things except for your fascination and indulgence of her as she should. And when you can't lay aside those things now, when you can't control the eyes inside your little head now, why would she really care? Okay? You understand what I'm saying? You've got to lay it aside. <clears throat> You've got to lay things aside that prevent you from considering Him. I have to lay the sin aside. Let's look at the second point. Back to our text in Hebrews 12, it's found in verse 2. The Bible says, looking unto Jesus. That's our second point. The author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Looking unto Jesus. So how do I consider him? Well, it's pretty hard to consider him if I'm not looking at him. Have you ever heard this? 
my wife one day, I'll tell you this joke. <clears throat> Husband and wife sitting there, and the wife's talking. She's talking, 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 talking. Finally, she looks at him, she's like, you haven't heard a word I said, have you? And he looked at her and he said, what a strange way to start a conversation. <laughs> you understand? It's kind of, it's like, well, I love the Lord. When's the last time you spent some time with him? Well, I'm going to Christian Bible school. When's the last time you disappeared out of the classroom into these woods or somewhere and just spent some time with the one you claim to serve? Consider him. It's pretty hard to consider him when I spend all my time looking somewhere else. You think the Lord, is he, listen, we're not traditionalist here. It's not about the whole thing and the, it's not, it's not about all that. We don't impress him. He just wants to spend some time with you. You ever thought about that? The God who created heavens that span from one corner of his hand to the other, he wants to spend some time with you. And yet we're too busy. We're too, Lord, I'm too busy serving you to spend time with you. Boy, guys are, the boy, we're bad at this. You know, your wife, when you have one, you know what she wants? This is what she's going to like. I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom here. <laughs> Ladies, you just don't, it's a secret. Okay. You know what they really like? They like you. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not you, but... They, <laughs> They like spending time with you. You know what guys really like? Getting things done. You know? And so she's like, well, you know, you never do anything for me. And you're looking at the house and the car and the clothes and the full gas tanks and the fridge. And you're like, I'm doing everything for you. I'm doing everything for you. She's like, no, you're not doing anything for me. And he's like, well, who am I doing it for? Like, where's all this going? And then, yes, that's the, you know, the Mars-Venus story. They're just two separate views, okay? okay so this, this, stay with me here. When we're so busy doing all the things, we, you might want to stop and go back and read Colossians 2.8. Is what I'm doing become a tradition or a philosophy or a rudiment of the world? And is it that which is preventing me from actually having a relationship with God? Jesus Christ. The one who, we're going to look at this in a minute, endured the shame of the cross for you. It's pretty hard to consider him when I'm not looking at him. <clears throat> a couple of verses or a couple of definitions here. We're supposed to consider him who is, the Bible calls him two things, the author and finisher. The word author is a word for chief leader, captain. And the word finisher is a word for completer, completer, consummator. He is the one who shall start us, and he's the one who's going to finish us. So why shouldn't he be the one who's in the middle? <laughs> if he's there at the start and he's there at the end, why is he not the one in the middle? He should be with you. You should be with him. You should consider him. Why would you consider anything else? Okay, Revelation chapter 1 and verse 8. Revelation 1, verse 8, the Bible says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. That's the author and the finisher. The beginning, the end. The ending, saith the Lord, which is, which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. He's at the beginning. He's at the end. He should be the one who is. We should be spending our time with Him. There's a lot of verses on this all throughout Revelation. I'll give you these. You can write them down. Go read them on your own time. Uh, chapter 1, verse 8. Verse 11, verse 17 through 18, chapter 2, verse 8, chapter 21, verse 6, chapter 22, verse 13. They all talk about the fact that he's at the beginning and he's at the end. It's only humans that decided, well, you're supposed to start me, Father, and you're supposed to catch me when I'm done, but the middle's up to me. No, it's not. It's still up to him. It's him. We have to consider him. <clears throat> we have to look to him. And now we actually get into the third point, which is the word consider. Back to our text in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3, the Bible says, for consider him. Verse 2 says, looking unto Jesus. I have to look at him. And the third point is 
chapter 3, consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Consider him. The word consider means to estimate, to contemplate. I'm to spend my energy considering him, understanding as far as he will let me him. The, go, the Bible goes on to say, he, he, consider him who endured. The word endured means to stay under, to remain. It's, it means to preserve or abide through something. He endured for you. The contradiction of sinners was 33 and a half years of his life on this earth. And he did it with your name on his mind. He endured. The word endured, it's very much a picture word. Do we have any like tough guys in here? He's pointing at you. He's like, don't. Don't do anything. I'm not. You. <laughs> come here. Come here. Oh, no. All right. So endured. Now, are you, so you, you lift or you fight or you just look tough? You're a poser. Just a poser. Okay. So I used to be a, a pro fighter for a while. I leave that off of my resume most times because it does not, it's not really a great thing. <clears throat> but when you're, when you're fighting, there's two different kinds of philosophies there's the guy who sits back here and waits for you to come and he, he he's defensive I, I don't know if anybody follow Mayweather you know he he's got the shoulder up and he fights way back here and uh, he, he doesn't even throw a punch until the 11th round okay and then you got the guys who are so stupid they just like face first they're right here like we're, it's called kissing distance don't worry we're not did you see him he's like hey so I was a Brazilian martial arts guy, and so endured means I'm going to find points on him that make it to where he doesn't want to endure being very close to me. Okay, And so there's lots of little points. There's one great one right here. And endure means I'm going to find that point, and nothing's happening right now, but when it starts happening, it's really not that big of a deal, and then you let it go. And then you come back, and every time you grab him, you're just digging your thing in there until all of a sudden he's like, man, what in the world? That arm's not working. One of the other things I, and I was a kickboxer for a while. <laughs> okay. You know what kickboxers do? They're famous for what? Where? No, that's too slow. Legs, right? And so there's a, there's a whole lot of meat right there. And so you come through and you kick there once. It's really not that bad. Okay, it's not that bad. But you know what happens on the 17th or 18th time? <laughs> it's it's really, <laughs> it starts to... It, that's the idea of endured. It means I'm going to sit under this constant pressure. And you can get those hands to open up and you see how he locks up like that. And I'm going to deal. And it's just constant. The Bible says that's what Jesus Christ did for sin for you. He walked. He endured contradiction. The continual. He, you can sit down. He, he literally said, faithless generation, how must long I suffer you? He endured. Do you understand that Jesus Christ, the Bible says we have a high priest who is all points tempted as are we. You understand that Jesus Christ expects you as a Christian to do for him what he did for you. To endure. To endure. You say, well, you don't know. You know, I'm, they're lying about me. <laughs> Welcome to the party. <laughs> If all I did was chase down everyone who didn't like me and tell them and everybody else that that was a lie, that's all I do. That's the devil's greatest trick is to keep you so busy defending yourself that you're not serving God. Let it go. Let it go. Endure it. Endure it. How else can I consider him if I'm too busy considering myself all the time? Well, I have to protect myself. I have to get the truth out there. I have to this. I have to that. Listen, this world is not your home, to quote the song you're just passing through. You might as well just endure the things and keep your focus on Him. I have to, number one, lay aside the things that keep me from considering Him. Number two, I have to look to Him to consider Him. And number three, I have to consider Him, which means not considering myself. Very simple. 
As a father, you'll learn this on a micro level. <clears throat> you get married, and you, you, know, you have a couple kids, and immediately, everything that I've ever wanted is about 18 years away. Because as soon as I see that really nice thing, I'm like, well, that's braces. You know, it's like, well, I have this really nice rifle, and there's this really nice scope. Um, you know, and I had this, when I was single, you never buy a scope that's less expensive than your rifle. Ever. That was my rule. Right? And so, you know, and I was a Marine Corps marksmanship instructor, so you can imagine as a single guy, you know, it's like I bought a scope and didn't eat for two weeks. No big deal. I worked at a prison. I'd just sneak into the kitchen at night and eat bologna, you know, inmate bologna sandwiches. But I've got a 200, 2000, well, I won't tell you how much it was. <clears throat> you know, so I've got the, you know, but as soon as you have children, it's like, you know, <laughs> scope. Now we're iron sighting this thing. Yeah, you could have a nice truck or you can have, uh, you know, filled and warm children. You know, you can have a car payment or you can do what you're supposed to do and pay for your children's education which means all the material, and we're homeschooling. And so you understand as a father, everything you've ever wanted, guys, okay, get used to the, you know, get everything you want now is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> you push yourself aside because you love them and you want them to have what they need to have a good start in life, good education, health, all those things. And then you, you get married, you push yourself aside one of the things my wife's really good at, it annoys me so bad. She's so good at gift giving. She, know, she gets me things. I'm like, how did you know? And she'll save all year, right? It's about, you know, December 20th. And I'm like, well, anything you want? or <laughs> What do I do now? You know, I, I don't. She gives the perfect gifts. <clears throat> and so you understand, it's hard to consider Men, your wives, wives, your husbands, it's hard to consider them when you're considering yourself Christians. It's hard to consider Christ when you're too busy defending yourself. One of the things the devil's going to do is keep you so busy chasing things out of the self-preservation interest thing. You know, you just let it be. Serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. He's a big God. He can usually quiet the things he wants to quiet. Be quiet. You don't need to help him. Although sometimes you'd like to. Sometimes I'd like to. Oh, I'd like to. (laughs) You get going on this. You get some, you know, I get some thoughts going and there's some names that I could put in here and I'm like, Lord, you just, you know, just don't look for a minute. I will solve this problem for you forever. Lord goes, it's not my problem. It's your problem. Get over it. Ah. Consider him. So lay aside every weight and sin that keeps me from considering him. Stop looking at anything that keeps me from considering him. I have to look at him. And stop considering myself because that keeps me from considering him. Psalm 34 and verse 8. Psalm 34 and verse 8. The Bible says here, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. I dare you, taste him. See, he's good. And then trust in him. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 3. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 3, the Bible says, If so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. If we jump back to Hebrews chapter 6, Hebrews chapter 6, 4 through 6, the Bible says, For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened to have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. <clears throat> it's impossible. Do you know why the demons and the devil can never get saved? Because they've seen him. There's no more faith for them. There's no more faith. Okay? I'm not talking about losing your salvation or anything like that. 
You go to churches sometimes, you spend half the message telling them what you're not saying. What I am saying is that it's impossible to be with the Lord and not want to be back with Him again. You know the first time Jesus cried, I'll tell you this, and then we'll finish this uh, last point. What was Peter doing the first time Jesus saw him? He's fishing. He's fishing. He said, come follow me. Peter, okay. After Jesus died, do you remember what Peter said? I'm going fishing. He went back. He went back. He said, I guess that was all whatever. Jesus came to the shore. And you know what Peter did when he saw him? Hmm? Why? He saw him. You know, if you go back and read that, he beat the boat to the shore. He beat it. I want you to understand, when you spend time with Jesus Christ, you might get far away. But when you truly are, are saved, when you truly have a relationship with Jesus Christ, when he comes back, or he, he doesn't come back, you left. But you'll find when he calls the truly regenerate soul, oh, you're just going to want to get to him. You're just going to want to get to him. I'll jump out of the boat. I'll swim. I'll do whatever. I got to get to him. You understand, <clears throat> you have to consider him. And when you have considered him, and you have accepted him, and you are truly a child of God, then all you want to do is just get back to him. Just get back to him. Just get back to him. Let's look at the fourth final point this morning. So number one, I need to lay aside every weight and sin that besets me, that keeps me from considering him. Number two, I can't look at anything else except for him. To consider him, I have to look at him. Number three, I have to consider him, which means I'm not considering me. I'm not considering me. And number four, uh, back to our text, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 4. The Bible says, Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Number four, resist and strive. Resist and strive. Accepting the Lord as your Savior does not mean that you have a saved body. You're still in the flesh. And you're going to have to declare war on that. You're going to have to declare war on that. There's a resistance that's required. There's a striving that's required. The word resisted is a word that means to set down troops, <laughs> to withstand. It's literally the picture of like a trench line. I'm not moving. Here and no further. The word striving is a word that means to struggle against. To struggle against. <clears throat> Your greatest enemy will always be you. Always. No one else really has that much power over you. No one can reach into your heart and take the, the Lord Jesus Christ out of it. No one can keep you from closing your eyes and praying to your Heavenly Father. No one can change you. No one can take Him from you. But you can ignore Him. When you, when you choose to not strive, when you choose to not resist, now I'm not talking about making... The Bible says <clears throat> that God the God of heaven only ever said... I am pleased with one man, and that was Jesus Christ. He's still pleased with Jesus Christ. And when he's pleased with you, it's because he's pleased that you're allowing Jesus Christ in you to serve him. Listen, it's not you. And if I don't strive against my flesh, if I don't resist the temptations of my flesh, and with a broken and contrite heart, serve the Lord through the power and grace of God and the blood of Jesus Christ, then I'm on my own. And men don't please God. Jesus Christ does. And with Jesus Christ in me, I can please God. There'll be a day when I get to heaven and I'm hoping, I'm praying, 
I don't know what this means, but the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant, are not directed to me in my endeavors as much as they are directed towards God's own endeavors, which are accomplished through me by his son, Jesus Christ. You understand the difference. What does it take to do that? All out war on yourself. All out war. Do you know what the word bellum romanum means? Anybody? Yeah. War as Rome did it. Yeah. War as Rome did it. Bellum romanum. So how is war as Rome did it? All out war. That's what the term means. All out war. No reservations. The infantry Marine Corps uh, job, the job of the infantry Marine Corps, is to locate, close with, and destroy the enemy by fire and maneuver. That's, that's our job. If it was any longer than that, we would, you know, we'd forget it. <laughs> that's, so, but when you got to the fleet, the fleet Marine Corps had this, this mysterious like, secondary part on the end of it. And so you'd get there, and they'd be like, what's the job of the Marine Corps infantry? You'd be like, locate, close with, and destroy the enemy by fire and maneuver. And then they would say, with extreme prejudice. <laughs> I thought, oh, I'm going to be good at this. <laughs> this is a good job for me. Okay? I want you to understand, serving Christ is bellum Romanum. It is all-out war against the man in the mirror. All-out war. And there's not a day you don't get a day off. In fact, your days off are the most dangerous ones. The most dangerous ones. Men, you'll be, you'll lean into push. You'll lean into just make it happen. Ladies, you'll lean into feeling everything and making judgments based off of those feelings. Okay? You need to declare war on those things. You need to let the Lord Jesus Christ rule and reign. The Bible says in Zechariah, He comes to build, bear, and rule. That's the job of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Build, bear, and rule for the sake of God. It's hard to consider Him when I'm too busy. When I'm too busy considering myself. It's hard to consider Him when I give myself excuses and give myself back doors. Hebrews chapter 10, 32 through 37. Look what it says here. Hebrews 10, 32 through 37, But call to remembrance the former days, in which after ye were illuminated, ye endured a great fight of affliction. A great fight of affliction. Or excuse me, a great fight of afflictions. Partly whilst ye were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly whilst ye become companions of them that were so used. For ye had compassion of me, in my bonds and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and enduring substance. What you have here is not enduring. What you have here is. <clears throat> Verse 35, Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while... And he that will, shall call will come and will not tarry. It's just a little while. He's coming. Sure as I'm standing here, sure as you're breathing, he's coming. Where will you be when he does? Where will he, what will he find you considering when he comes? Will he find you considering other things? lost in the fantasy world of the social, gaming, all that stuff? What will he find you considering? Will he find you chasing down some lie somebody told about you? Having your vengeance? I can tell you a story about vengeance. I can tell you a story about vengeance, too. Some of you know that story. I'm not seeing any smile. Maybe I didn't tell that story. I'll let that go. I'll tell you later. The closing thought is Hebrews 12, 25 through 29, and we're all done. Hebrews 12, 25 through 29. Look what the Bible says here. See that ye refuse not him that speaketh. 
For if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken, as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. He's going to once again shake it all. And the things that remain when he's done shaking it all are the things that spent their life considering him. Considering him. You can let the voice of the Lord shake your soul into repentance. Or you can refuse him and shake with the whole rest of the earth at the end when there's no more room for repentance. That's your choice. I can let him shake me to my core now and repent. Or I can hold on to my, my rudiments, my traditions, my philosophies. I can hold on to considering me and looking at other things and not laying aside the weights and sins that doth so easily beset me. I can wait and I can hold on and I can endure my own. I can convince myself that I am it. And then when the heavens and the earth shake at His voice, you'll shake right along with it. Or you can let Him shake you up right now. All the way down to your very core. And you can go to the Lord and repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. If you've already done that, you know it. You can go to the Lord now and shake with shame. Lord, I've, I've shamed you. I've considered too many things apart from you. I've considered too many things apart from the one who saved me. And so that's my message this morning. What are you considering? How are you considering it? Who's the most important, most powerful aspect of your life? Is it mom, dad, husband, wife, son, daughter, cousin, aunt, whatever? Usually it's you, by the way. It's not all those other things. Or is it him? Is it him? You say, well, we're in Bible college. Yeah, that doesn't mean much. 